And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my brother, Ian Hayworth, from The Daily Wire. It's always a good time talking to Ian. Uh, we covered a lot. We talked about the, the press coverage of uh, both Andrew Cuomo and uh, Ted Cruz over the weekend. Uh, we talked about uh, the Never Trump rights obsession with losing every every battle they can possibly find. Uh, we covered a lot. Uh, we talked about uh, Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, and the press's obsession with trying to take him down. Uh, we covered a lot of stuff. I think you guys really enjoy it. Before we get to Ian, guys, I need to talk about our new sponsors over at Bulk Munitions. Guys, I'm really excited to work with this company. Uh, we've all been complaining about ammo shortages for years on end. We can't find ammo anywhere. Uh, and trust me, the complaints, not necessary anymore because Bulk Munitions has you covered. Uh, we're all constantly looking for, for 9 millimeter. I can't tell you how hard it is to find 223 or 556 on the shelves. Uh, Bulk Munitions has a wide selection of 9, 223, 5.56, uh, and more in stock and ready to ship quick. Um, they've got 40, 45, 308, 38 special, 12 gauge, 22, 380, 357, whatever you need. They have in stock right now at bulkmunitions.com. No back orders, and they don't sell it unless they have it ready to ship. Uh, all orders ship within two business days. No more waiting around. And I, guys, I've mentioned this before, but I, I always enjoy working with companies that share the values that I put forth every Monday and Wednesday on this podcast, and Bulk Munitions is definitely on the same page. They definitely share our values. Um, these folks started Bulk Munitions because while there are a number of other decent online ammo retailers, those companies are out for their interests. Uh, Bulk Munitions wants their work to serve a higher purpose. That is why they give at least 10% of their profits to Christian-based and Second Amendment-supporting nonprofits. They call it the Ammo Tithe, which I love. Um, and if that is not great enough, Bulk Munitions is offering this audience a limited-time offer. The first 25 people to use the promo code TNGP21 will receive a free Blackhawk magazine case of your choice, either a soft-sided case for pistol mags or a hard-sided case for AR-15 mags. Uh, you get that absolutely free uh, with any purchase over 100 bucks using the promo code TNGP21. TNGP21, uh, and you can go to bulkmunitions.com slash TNGP to see the special offer right there. Uh, once again, go to bulkmunitions.com slash TNGP. Use the promo code uh, TNGP21 to stock up your ammo box and get that free Blackhawk mag on the house. Uh, and guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Ian Hayworth. All right, guys, we're here with my friend Ian Hayworth. Ian, my brother, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, as always, for having me. It's fantastic to come on. Absolutely. So we have a ton to get to, as always. I want to start. I want to start, Ian. Um, you, you got attacked on Twitter for absolutely no reason yesterday. And I know that it doesn't really matter and Twitter isn't real life. But I, I wanted to start here because I think there's some important stuff 
uh, in this that I want to hit before we get to the news of the day. And you got attacked because SNL did a sketch blasting Ted Cruz for his ill-advised trip to Cancun. <laughs> um, uh, it's just kind of funny to say out loud, but uh, they they really went in on Cruz, you know. And then to appear bipartisan, they they briefly joked about how Andrew Cuomo is grumpy, <laughs> right? Like not that he slaughtered thousands and that he should be in prison the rest of his life, but that he he did it with a bad attitude. So like every everybody knows what they were doing. Um, you know, these these people aren't comics; they're propagandists. And and when you pointed this out, both sides came after you. Obviously, Democrats attacked you. Um, Yashar Ali from Huffington Post attacked you. I get it; he's a he's a leftist. That's fine. But a lot of conservatives did too. They couldn't help themselves. You know, a lot. I've I've noticed that a lot of conservatives can't resist playing the left's game. Just for to try and get a little bit of attention, I think. I mean, for those who didn't see, like the. The sketch with SNL, they, they do this familiar pattern where, as you say, they'll put a Democrat and a Republican next to each other. They'll punch the Republican figuratively as hard as they can in the face. And then they'll give the Democrat a little tickle. And then they'll say, see, we're unafraid to go mm-hmm. after both. And in this in this sketch, Ted Cruz was presented this evil villain who is completely out of touch, just, you know, absolutely despicable character. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with comedians going after politicians. Most politicians are fantastic fodder for comedy. And then Andrew Cuomo comes on, played by Pete Davidson. He's grumpy. He's a bit aggressive. And they kind of hint at him fudging some COVID numbers. You know, they make one, maybe two jokes about maybe not counting properly. That is not the scandal. The scandal with Andrew Cuomo is in March 25th, he and his administration forced COVID-19 positive patients into nursing homes, leading to tens of thousands of avoidable senior deaths that only occurred in democratic states where they did this exact thing. And so the end of the sketch, which I actually think was the worst part, Cuomo looks at Cruz or the actors playing those characters and says, oh, I'm not like you. I'm not as bad as you. Don't compare yourself to me. And that is the big punchline for SNL. And so I pointed out saying, can't wait for SNL to do a skit on Cuomo killing old people. And people came out and said, oh, but he was in he was in the skit. Didn't you watch? You know, oh, I'm a hack making some ham fisted attempt just to hit SNL. It's like, no, the point is not that Cuomo is in it. The point is that they did not joke about him killing old people, which is the scandal. The joke was that Cruz is worse than Cuomo, which implies that going on vacation is worth worse than the deaths of tens of thousands of your own constituents. I mean, just this is something SNL do every every couple of months. And it's really needs to stop or people need to stop looking at them for news the fact that they're i mean they know what they're doing though i mean they mm-hmm. are propagandists they are they are part of the propaganda wing of the democratic party and the goal is to equate ted cruz to andrew cuomo that's insane andrew cuomo got thousands of old people killed and then lied about it and then hid the data from the feds and then attacked any politician that didn't step in line mm-hmm. cruz went to cancun for 12 hours okay like i'm sorry no, I'm not. I'm not playing. I'm not playing that game. Well, it's also just it's it plays into another issue, which is this idea that whenever something bad happens, local and non-local politicians are expected just to fly in for photo ops. It's like they're celebrated for meaningless acts of charity. I mean, is there I, anything worse? Is there it, anything worse than that? By the way, no, it's horrible. It was like AOC flying into Texas to save the day. Like anyone needs that. I do think it's bad optics. I, I think it was stupid of Ted Cruz to do this, even though it doesn't serve any purpose, him being there. I think the world we live in, that's obviously bad optics. It's obviously going to go down badly. 
The problem, though, is not that they joked about Ted Cruz. Like, again, any politician should be fair game. The issue is that people are being lied to about what the scandal is. A lot of people don't pay attention to the news. We'll see this come away thinking, oh, yeah, Cuomo's got in trouble for changing some numbers around. But all politicians do that. And Ted Cruz is the real villain here. He doesn't care about freezing dead people in Texas. So, well, Cuomo is responsible for far more dead people than Cruz ever will be. And this is where people get their opinions from. And it's very frustrating, as you as you mentioned, that conservatives especially will see the comment I made and not notice the distinct and subtle point, which is not that Cuomo wasn't in the skit, but what is the content that they make the skit with? And if conservatives don't see that, then we're going to be losing this game because the left are masters of this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And look, like... Just on just a side note on Ted Cruz. I mean, I, I can't really muster up any outrage over Ted Cruz. Like, <laughs> I'm fine with the press hammering him. Like, all politicians are bad. You know, all politicians are dumb. I mean, all, you know, APAB, if you will, all politicians are bad. But, like, <laughs> if you look at Ted Cruz's voting record, he's probably better than 95% of American politicians right now. I mean, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. If, if, Ilhan, if Ilhan Omar is a congresswoman and, and Rashida Tlaib is a congresswoman and Bernie Sanders is a senator— I'm sorry. Like I, I just can't, I can't bring myself to hate Ted Cruz. I mean, Bernie Bernie Sanders promotes the political ideology that led to the largest genocide in human history, somewhere between 120 and 150 million dead, the largest genocide in terms of uh, percentage of the human population since Genghis Khan. And he's he's been a he's been in office for like 50 years. Okay, like, so I'm sorry. Uh, you know, no, like going to Cancun is not worse than promoting communism. Like I'm sorry, I just cannot muster mm-hmm. up any outrage for Ted Cruz. But like I just. Going back to the strange new respect game that a lot of conservatives try to play, and that some conservatives that were trying to dunk on you, like they know what they're doing. Like they're trying to appease the left. They're trying to pander to the left. They 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 love those retweets. Those nice, sweet leftist retweets. It, if there was any doubt that the strange new respect game was fruitless, it, there is no doubt anymore. Look at what they're saying about Rush Limbaugh. Okay, mm-hmm. like I, I refuse to give aid and comfort to people that celebrate the deaths of their political opponents. Like, if there was any doubt that that trying to pander to these monsters was a bad idea, just look at what they're saying about Rush. If you, if you died, Ian, the left would be celebrating. I, 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 I'm not. I don't care. I don't want their respect. They're not—there's no—the respect of what? The corporate press? The Democratic mm-hmm. Party? Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. I, I refuse to play that game. It's just very—it's quite worrying that there are still people out there who claim to be conservatives claim to be pushing for conservative values and yet are very quick to fall back into sort of base fundamental twitter mentality which is oh yay retweets um and especially when that involves undercutting your own your own movement and i think it's something that the left rely on is that there are always conservatives out there who hope that there is something they can do to prove that they are mainstream to prove that they deserve a seat in the room and that they are different to other crazy conservatives. They're the more normal conservative who the left will just welcome in and maybe we can have a discussion. They think we are all the same. Yes. Like Trump is gone, but they think that we are Trump, that they thought people were Hitler before Trump. We are all the same to them. Yes, they have a hierarchy of who is their biggest enemy at the time and they're willing to align with people who are willing to align with them to get what they want. But ultimately, they think we're all the same kind of scum. And if you're a conservative and you think that there are people on the left, not not liberals, not moderates, but the people on the left who think they can really they have a place for us in the world. They, they really don't. And it's 
it's worrying, I think, especially the post-Lincoln Project stuff, especially the number of conservatives <laughs> who are still trying to fight for scraps from the left's table, effectively. Like, it, have we not seen enough evidence that we are not allowed at this table? <laughs> if, if they haven't, then then Wednesday, the death, death of uh, Rush Limbaugh should have been the final nail, nail in that coffin. I mean, there's just no—it's fruitless. It, it's, it's pointless. They hate you. Uh, it doesn't matter if you try to pander to them. They, they're still going to hate you. Um, I, some of our friends on Twitter, Ian, were, they were surprised that uh, a guy like Yashar Ali from, from, I think he writes for New York Magazine and then Huffington Post, was propagandizing on behalf of the Democrats. And I don't know why. I don't get it. Like, I, I know a lot of, a lot of our, our friends, our conservative friends, they, they really like Yashar. And I'm not saying he's not as bad as, like, you know, Brian Stelter or, you know, like, whatever. Paul Krugman or, you know, you, somebody like that. But this guy, it's like it's like the Jake Tapper thing. And I think uh, because of Jake Tapper's behavior over the last six months or so, I think a lot of conservatives have woken up. But for years on end, I had to hear all the time about how Jake Tapper was a real journalist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? No, 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 he's not. He's a propagandist working for CNN who became famous for trying to have sex with Monica Lewinsky. Okay, that that guy, <laughs> like everybody, even like Ben Shapiro and, and Glenn Beck and like the like, you know, uh, true conservatives, they're like, ah, oh, you know, like CNN's terrible, but I don't know, Jake Tapper, he's a good guy. Like he, he's he's objective. It's like based on what, <laughs> what, <laughs> based on what evidence? It's the same with a guy like Yashar Ali. It's like I, I don't get it. These people work for the corporate press. They're an agent of the corporate press. The corporate press is the cop, the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party. Jake Tapper included, Yashar Ali in- included. I, I just don't understand why. I mean, look, I'm, I'm sure they're nice guys. I'm sure I'd enjoy getting a beer with either one of them, but. They're not journalists. They're propagandists. Call them what they are. Well, I think we can make that broader, too. And I, I don't think there's a problem with anyone having an opinion. I think you and I have made that pretty clear. And I make that clear with, with everyone I speak to. I have no problem with someone having an opinion. I have no problem with someone having an opinion that's different or opposite to mine. Sure. They're, just not, have, they're not journalists, though. Yeah, I, I have an issue when people um, – I think this is more of a problem with Jake Tapper where people assign him unquestionable objectivity with really no evidence. So, well – that's CNN's whole shtick is that they're objective and they are far from it. Like at least MSNBC are, are open and like, yeah, we're, we're on the left. This is how we're going to present what we think. It's like, well, you can disagree with it, but at least they are to some extent honest with the premise. But CNN, I think, is, is one of the worst outlets for that exact reason and that they still claim to be objective. You have Don Lemon still claiming that he's an objective journalist when all he does on his show is, giggle about the downfall of conservatives it's really shocking that conservatives still believe people like jake tapper people like don lemon to be objective when it's like well you you have to ignore your own lying eyes and ears at this point one more point on on the the strange new respect topic kind of um I, i can already see the writing on the wall uh with the never trump right these people are not coming back. I mean, a, a lot of us are like, oh, you know, these people, they just hate Trump. Trump's a divisive guy. They, they couldn't stand him, you know, whatever. You know, big orange mean guy. You know, he yells at journalists and, you know, he cheated on his wife and all this stuff. These people are not coming back to the Republican Party. I think these guys are just going to be voting Democrat um, from now on. Um, and, I mean, I hate to call him out by name because he's not here to defend himself, but I'm going to do it anyway. Jonah Goldberg. And, by the way, I have invited Jonah on the show, and I've never heard back, so I've given him his opportunity. But Jonah Goldberg, who I really like, and, and I've been reading Jonah's stuff for over a decade. Um, but man, this guy's lost the plot. <laughs> I want to read this tweet from yesterday because I thought it was fascinating. This is from Jonah Goldberg yesterday. Quote, 
I will never fully forgive Ron DeSantis for how he ran for governor, but the if DeSantis did it, it must be evil and stupid coverage is so ridiculous, unquote. So, like, he kind of half-heartedly defended DeSantis from the press, who's by far, you know, DeSantis is the best governor in the country by far, by the way. But Jonah Goldberg, he's, he cannot forgive him. He can never forgive him for saying something nice about Donald Trump. Okay, like that, that's where we're at. If he, 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 it's unforgivable that Ron DeSantis, a Republican, said something nice about a sitting Republican president as he, a Republican, ran for governor of a Republican state that the incumbent Republican president won two years prior. That's unforgivable in the eyes of Jonah Goldberg. Amazing. It's very, honestly, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It's like this bizarre self-destruction cult that never Trump has never won a conservative to be in power ever again. Part of it, I think, is because they've, I don't think this is just Jonah Goldberg. I think this is a far broader problem with anyone who's never Trump to the point where they will openly support Democrats is that they've carved out a little almost like area for themselves, like an ideological area where you can be conservative, but also critical of conservatives. That's, I think, how they see themselves. But they forget that we live in a binary system and they almost refuse to criticize Democrats. And so their entire thing is criticizing conservatives, which in a binary system has the obvious outcome of just supporting Democrats. Yeah, they're they're and the, they're the like, Washington well, they're the Washington generals. That's what they. I don't know if you've ever seen the the Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, great show, by the way. It's actually super entertaining. <laughs> but I, I don't know if you're are you familiar with the Globetrotters. I'm not. I'm afraid. Okay, so the Harlem. I, I know. I know who they are, but I'm not. Okay. I haven't seen the show you've talked about. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so the Harlem Globetrotters. If anybody didn't know, or if anybody else is listening from England, <laughs> they're uh, they're a. Uh, I'm so foreign. You're showing me up to be really a, foreign now. It's a basketball game, but it's not like professional basketball. It's all these like awesome basketball players called the Harlem Globetrotters, and like they do all these tricks, all these trick shots, and all this. It's like it's a show. It's entertainment. It's not really like a basketball game. Um, and then the the team they play every day is called the Washington Generals, and they're a bunch of these, like, awful basketball players that are just there to get beat up. And it's like, they're not trying to win. Like, it's a it's a, it's a play. It's a, it's a show. And they're just controlled opposition who always loses, right? It's their job to go and, like, look dumb and lose. That's who these people are. Like, Jonah Goldberg is the Washington Generals. Like, I think he's he's just reserved to being the controlled opposition for the left. I mean, like, they exist to be the left's punching bag. And... I think it's 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 an epidemic among a lot of like the think tank type guys, like the DC Republican think tank guys, and I like a lot of them. Like I like the, the think tank people. I love having them on the podcast. Like I'm a policy wonk. I love you know theorizing about about political philosophy. That's great, but that's not enough. Okay, you can't do that. like you you can't just be the controlled DC opposition that the Democratic Party the the Democrats are merciful enough to allow you to exist. Okay, mm-hmm. like that's not enough. Give me Rush Limbaugh any day of the week over these Washington general type, quote unquote, conservatives in D.C. Give me the guy who the left will celebrate their death because they were so effective, because they broke the left's monopoly on the flow of information. Give me Rush, okay, any day of the week. Okay, yeah, he's not as nice, he's not as kind, he's not as blah, 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 but he sure as heck isn't controlled opposition. He's not the Washington generals existing only to lose, to be the left's punching bag. I think a lot of these guys are just comfortable in that role. I think there are a lot of people who are comfortable losing. I think there's a lot of conservatives who are far more comfortable living entirely in the ideological arena and not in the actual one that matters, which is winning or losing. 
Yes. I think this is the thing with conservatives is that you need you need both sides, right? You need the people who are more ideological purists who care entirely about principle. And then you need the people who are focused on winning and would be kind of happy to put principle aside because that's exactly what Trump was. Like Trump was not really that conservative, but he was hyper-focused on winning. You need both of these to be an effective movement for conservatism. And right now we have people who are hyper-focused on winning still there saying some worrying things at times. And then you have some people who are so hyper-focused on ideology that they would rather separate themselves from those who would give, the, give them the ability to win and just be happy to sit there, complain about how their ideology isn't being followed and then witness Democrats be in power for decades. It's so counterproductive and we need conservatives who want to win. And I want to win. I'm sure I, I agree with people like Jonah Goldberg and David French fairly often, like not on a lot of things, but I'm sure we agree on some topics. Sure. That doesn't mean I want them cast out. I think we need to be working together to win and then we can have this debate. But the way the way some conservatives are happy to tear each other apart with Joe Biden in the background grinning his Cheshire grin as we just set the stage for him. Have we not learned anything? No. It's No. We haven't. How bad I, do you want to lose? Yeah, I mean they 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 do the, the thing is the the funniest thing too. Like it started like the never Trump stuff started with Trump doing things that weren't conservative. Mm -hmm. And it's transformed, it's done a complete 180 to attacking anybody that wants to do anything conservative. It's like all these guys, these never Trump guys, they're all about Mitt Romney who just introduced a bill to give away free welfare money and to raise the minimum wage. <laughs> okay. It's like, what do we, so wait, so you like, I, I get that you liked Mitt Romney's temperament. I get that he's a very nice guy and he doesn't cuss or drink or anything. You know, I don't know if man even has hobbies. Just sits there and talks to his wife. I'm sure she's a very nice lady. Maybe they have great conversations. I, I, okay. So I get, I get that they, they like that. But he's not a conservative. He was never conservative. He wasn't a conservative when he was governor of Massachusetts. He's not been a conservative as a senator. He didn't even really campaign as a conservative when he was the Republican nominee in 2012. So it's like if you can't call yourself a principal conservative and endorse socialist policies that, that Mitt Romney is, is, is putting forth. So it's like it, it isn't about conservatism at all to these people. It's like they've abandoned it completely. I think it always comes back to there are some conservatives who would rather feel comfortable than win. They would rather lose comfortably than win uncomfortably. And Trump is the king of winning uncomfortably, obviously not in 2020. He, and there are a lot of people who still view him as a winner, which is strange to me. But strange, since 2016, yeah. which is really, I think, where the Never Trumper ideology comes from, there are people who would rather have lost to Hillary Clinton than feel uncomfortable about the person representing their movement. And it needs to be a longer term thing. It's like, yeah, Trump wasn't great in a lot of ways. Trump did a lot of great things policy wise, did a lot of not so great things policy wise. And as a person, I don't think he is objectively a, a good human being. No, that no. shouldn't matter in the grand scheme of things of I want conservative people in power to do conservative things. 100%. I don't really how I feel personally doesn't matter. People shouldn't care about how I feel or how the president makes you feel as a conservative it should matter what they're doing yeah and i i think people have lost complete sense of what matters and would rather feel comfortable in their slow death under socialism than uncomfortable as we actually protect what matters yeah i mean it's almost to the point where it's like do we even view and i like a lot of these guys and i've been reading a lot of these guys stuff for a long time but it's like are they even our allies at this point like are they effective in, in spreading the cause of liberty at all 
I, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, and like, like you said, it's like they focus so hard on, on hitting conservatives for, I don't know, being nice to Trump or whatever. It's like, I can't remember the last time David French wrote a piece criticizing the left on anything. You know, it's like they're not even effective at fighting the left's agenda. Like, they're, they're not even interested, quite frankly, in fighting the left's agenda. It's like, I, I don't even know how long we can consider these these folks as, as a part of the political right. Well, I think something I've been pushing for for a while is not is not to get stuck in this purist mentality where conservatives are like pushing each other out over what the definition of conservatism is. And I think there's there's obviously Jonah and, and David have very important voices in this space. And I'm not one to be calling them not conservative because I think that's not for me to say. But I think there's there's space for criticizing conservatives, which I'm more than happy to do. I do that almost 50 percent of my time is spent criticizing conservatives who don't do conservative things. But when it's the, the pettiness of some of their targets. Like DeSantis will likely be one of the front runners for 2024. Is going after him for aligning with the president, which is something every politician does under any party in any country, really in history. If you want to win and you're the head of your party is happy to campaign with you in Florida, where Trump is incredibly popular, you would obviously do that. So it's it's not like DeSantis went against the wishes of his own state and aligned with someone who is demonstrably evil. Like he just did the smart political move. And as a governor, he's been massively successful. I mean, yes. the fact that Florida, Florida isn't one giant graveyard right now says everything you need to know about DeSantis and his policies. We need to be not building people up like him because we are not propagandists, but we need to be adding a sense of just consideration and moderation and context, which is... Yeah, you might not like that DeSantis aligned with Trump, but are you seriously never forgiving him for something that was just politically <laughs> expedient at the time? It's like, what what world are we in right now? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I want to get to Ron DeSantis in just a second, but um, uh, like like I'm a libertarian. Like I'm, I'm extraordinarily more radical than you are, right? More, I'm more radical than just about anybody. <laughs> okay, like I'm not an anarchist, but I'm not I'm not far from it. But, like, I view anybody who is trying to sink, shrink the size and scope of the United States federal government as my ally. Anybody. That's why I get along with conservatives, with libertarians, with, you know, moderate Republicans, with establishment types, with everybody. I get along with all those guys as long as they want to shrink the size and scope of the United States federal government. I haven't seen any evidence at all from the never-Trump right in years that they want to shrink the size and scope of the state. Like, I just haven't seen it. Like, have you seen a Jonah Goldberg piece, a David French piece, where he's talking about shrinking the size and scope of the government? I, I haven't seen it. I mean, they've prioritized attacking Republicans, attacking conservatives, attacking libertarians, attacking the good guys. <laughs> okay, like, I get that. I, are they conservatives? Like, I, I haven't seen any evidence of that in at least, you know, a couple years. I mean, I'm sure there might be a piece here and there, but, you know, they're just going through the— you know the the bulwark and the dispatch and some of these websites. I I I'm not I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing how in any real way there are allies. We also don't live in the same America that we did a year or two ago. Like Trump is not president anymore. Trump is irrelevant politically now. I think there are a lot of people who want him to run again. It's not Trump happen. is done. It's not going to happen. Like Trump is yeah. Trump is over. Yeah. Um. I, I think he should enjoy his retirement. I I hope he does. I hope that. The Trump family doesn't try and run in his legacy. I hope the, the era of Trump is done. I think Trump showed conservatives a lot of ways to win. And I think we need to take bits of his administration that are good and run with them. Never Trumpers are acting like it's still 2017, 2018, 2019. Yeah, it's bizarre. And they, 
And they are aligning with the left who are doing exactly the same thing because all they can do is talk about Trump to keep people distracted from the absolute garbage heap of an administration that Biden is building. So I don't I, I don't get it like this. It's, it's counterproductive for conservatives, but it's also not living in reality. Like, who cares about Trump anymore? Like, move on. <laughs> He's not president. I know. Start talking about what matters right now. It's so and the funny fact but... that DeSantis did something a couple of years ago. It was like, okay, like that doesn't help us, and it's not relevant. It's funny, man. It's funny that you mentioned that too, because like I got so much guff. And uh, by the way, I'm trying to bring the word guff back. It's like an old, <laughs> like 1940s term. I love it. I'm trying to bring it back, guff. Anyway, I got a lot of guff on this podcast in you know November, December, especially because like the way my brain works, I just I just compartmentalize things in a way that like as soon as you know like. I don't know, November 4th, like the day after the election when it was clear that Trump was probably going to lose. I just, like, my brain just moves on. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was like, all right, uh, Trump's done. It was fun. I don't really need to talk about him anymore. Let's talk about what's up next. And that drove a lot of people in my audience absolutely crazy. But th- that's just how my brain works, man. Like, as soon as Trump was done, I'm like, okay, moving on. <laughs> you know, who's up next? Who, who am I supporting now? I just immediately moved on to the, uh, uh, you know, the, the Georgia Senate races, which did not end well. But, uh, yeah, it's it's funny. These people are stuck in the past. But I, a couple things I want to mention before I let you go. I know we have a hard out here uh, in just a few minutes. But the press and the left are absolutely, going back to Ron DeSantis, they are terrified of this guy. <laughs> you can tell oh, yeah. they are terrified of the Big D down there in Florida, man. Uh, because he's he's got a good shot to be the next president of the United States. I truly believe that. He, he fights the press and fights the left like Trump. But he's way smarter. He's more talented a politician. He understands the game better, and he's way more conservative. And that mm-hmm. absolutely terrifies the press because they haven't been able to destroy him. They've been trying to destroy the guy since, you know, about 2017 when he started running for governor. Uh, and the press tried to take him down over the weekend for, wait for it, checks notes, <laughs> prioritizing <laughs> the elderly for vaccination. Oh, no. he's Big D is trying to save lives. How dare he? Man, how desperate is the press right now? Well, they're desperate because they they deep down know the truth that Joe Biden is an empty vessel of a human being. Kamala Harris is deeply, deeply unpopular. I mean, it doesn't really matter how many op-eds Washington Post and New York Times writers give us about how Kamala Harris always cared about criminal justice. And she never used her her body to start her political career. Kamala Harris is likely going to be running in 2024. And that terrifies them because there is she dropped out before the first primary election, for goodness sake. Like she she has no backing. She really shouldn't be in this room. And Joe Biden is hanging by a thread. I mean, even in the last couple of weeks, he's on this steady decline. Everyone is just smiling and nodding along to. They know DeSantis is a threat because he's a smart guy. He, as you said, embraces some of the elements of Trumpism that I think you and I support, which is pushing back against the media. But he also handled COVID spectacularly well. And when they presented Andrew Cuomo, that, that's also why they're trying to bury the Cuomo thing as quickly as possible, because he stands as the true democratic reaction to COVID, which is get the media apparatus on your side, tell everyone how successful it is while covering up the truth. That is the democratic COVID response. Meanwhile, in the Republican state of Florida under a, a Republican governor, in one of the oldest, I think it's the oldest state or certainly one of no, the oldest no, the, states the in the oldest, country. The oldest population by a, by a country mile. And statistically beating out all of these democratic states. That says everything you need to know about DeSantis. 
And I think that's going to be incredibly powerful in 2024. So they've got four years to try and chip away at him. And in four years' time, do you, do you imagine many people even remember what DeSantis did or even what Cuomo did? Do you know what Ron DeSantis, what old Big D, Ron the Rattlesnake, would do to Kamala Harris on the debate stage? I mean, it would be, I mean, I think it would it would be like Mike Pence plus Trump in all the best ways. Yes, I agree. I I think he's you know obviously I'm a libertarian. Like I'd love to either have no president at all or or a president like <laughs> Mike Lee or Thomas Massey, Rand Paul, somebody like that. But honestly, I think. A guy like Ron DeSantis, like, like I said, we're not. I'm not just promoting one guy. I'm not a. We're not propagandists like the left are. But like, I, I think a guy like Ron or Ron himself is exactly what the Republican Party needs because, man, the the press hates him so much and he handles them so well. He handles them so mm-hmm. well. Every press conference, he he just beats them down. But he does it with facts. He does it with, you know, with knowledge. He's a very smart guy, very knowledgeable guy. The left can't handle it. They cannot handle it. Um, and they, they especially can't handle that. They they put him up against Andrew Cuomo since last March. Like, that was their goal. Yeah. And it turns out that Andrew Cuomo is a murderous gangster, okay? And then so they're like, oh, crap. How do we how do we bring down Ron DeSantis? Because our guy turned out to be a schmuck, a schmuck on wheels. So I, I think he's <laughs> he's exactly the, the, the punch to the face that we need to give to the left. In the in the next presidential cycle, I'm I'm like actively rooting for Ron DeSantis to run for president. One, he's got a reelected governor of Florida in 2022. But I I like I want him to be the Republican Party's nominee. He's conservative. He's conservative enough for me. He's no libertarian, but he's good enough. He's good enough on the issues. If you look at his platform, he's you know, he's pretty solid, and he's governed well in a in a tough state to govern, a very diverse state. Mm-hmm. You know, with uh you know younger populations, older populations, very diverse ethnically and politically he's done a pretty good job high approval rating he's saving a lot of lives by prioritizing the elderly i don't know why every governor isn't doing that i think he's just what the doctor ordered for the republican party and you know it'll be interesting to see what the never trumpers do that they'll twist themselves into knots and <laughs> trying to come up with reasons to not support ron DeSantis. but i really think he's who the the gop needs right now the gop needs primarily someone who is willing to fight against the left and not fold underneath them we've had generations of very weak republicans like the jeb bushes and the mitt romneys who make as i said make people feel comfortable and then lose we can't lose anymore we need to be putting people who are willing to do what's necessary in a good way to win which is to stand up to this and not and not try and appease people you don't win by appeasing these people you win them you win by showing them to be what they are that's why trump won in 2016 and Hopefully that's why a conservative will beat Kamala Harris in 2024. If we put up someone weak, if we put up a Mitt Romney or someone who's just not willing to, in a crowd, say, yes, I'm conservative and I'm, I'm proud of being conservative, we're going to lose again because weakness doesn't win elections. One more thing, and I wanted to get to some of Dr. Fauci's stuff. We're not going to have time. I know you have a heart out here in just like two minutes. But one more point that I want to make, and, and you know, since we're talking about DeSantis and the future of the GOP, both sides of, like the Never Trumpers, like I saw Adam uh, Kinzinger, the uh, Republican congressman from uh, Illinois? Illinois, I think. Uh, But he tweeted yesterday how, you know, Trump lost, it's over, we need to totally get Trumpism out of the GOP forever and move on. And then obviously there's like the the hardcore Trump supporters that want Trump to come back at age, what, 78, 79, something like that, in 2024 and run again. I'm like, okay, both both sides of this argument are completely ridiculous. <laughs> completely ridiculous. Like one, I don't think Trump 
can win. Yeah, it, you know, a presidential election again. I, I don't think that's likely, so I don't want him to run again. And then the Adam Kinzinger crowd, the, the Jonah Goldberg crowd, saying we need to purge the GOP of anybody who's nice to Trump. That's insane. I mean, like, Trump still has, like, an 80% approval rating among Republicans. Like, you're not going to, you know, he got 75 million votes. Like, you're not, if you purge the party of Trump supporters, you have no party. So it's like, you guys, like, you're both living in a fantasy world. Like, neither one of you are, are correct in your prescription for what we need to do going forward. You can't even, I can't even make a logical argument for either one, either side of that argument. I think they're both ridiculous. Well, it's just a, a more polite, more intellectual way of calling for a third party. You get a lot of people who are calling for a Trump party, but the never Trumpers saying we need to purge uh, Trump, like Trumpism from the party is exactly the same thing, just in a slightly nicer, more comfortable way of saying it. And a great way of losing forever is taking 50 percent of the vote and dividing it in two. Yeah, it's insane. It's, and... just, it's absurdly stupid. And look, like the, the goal needs to be to to merge voting bases, not split them apart and make it easy for the Democrats. Then they can really do what they want. I mean, we're already seeing what they do when they have mild majority in every sense. But imagine what they, they'd do if they had a comfortable majority in Congress. and They didn't have to worry about two years time. The, the thing is. Anybody who complains about the GOP being too big of a tent is insane. Like, I just don't—just personally speaking, like, I'm proof that that's a ridiculous argument. Like, dude, I—like, I like I am comfortably to the right of Rand Paul, okay? Like, I'm, I'm pretty darn radical. Like, the fact that I'm comfortable sharing a party with Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney should tell you something. If I can—if I'm willing to do that, then I, I don't want to hear a peep out of— <laughs> Adam Kinzinger, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, trust me. Like, Adam Kinzinger and and Ron DeSantis are a lot closer together in their in their in their policies than me and Mitt Romney. Believe me. Like, it's it's the Grand Canyon between me and Old Mitt. So, like, trust me. I'm I'm positive that a, a radical like me can exist in the same party as as moderates, as centrists, as conservatives, libert. You know, I, I'm fine with the Big Ten. I'm I'm po- I'm proof positive that it can be done. I think it's because ultimately you care more about deep conservative principles and you care more about getting deep conservative principles through and advocating for them than feeling like you personally won. I think there are a lot of people who would rather almost childishly kick and scream and say, well, I want my version of conservatism and I'm willing to burn the house down to do it. Right. And right. we need to grow up honestly and have those battles when, when we actually are in power. Like, Matt Gates going after Liz Cheney. What a waste of time. It That's just doesn't all about personal politics. That's all about making your brand more popular. And all just while strategically speaking, being someone what... in your own party in the face. Right. It's like, but strategically speaking, beggars can't be choosers, man. <laughs> Read the room. We have no power on, a, on the, you know, we have state power in the States, but we have no power. Like we, we, the Democrats control the White House. You know they they're going to be according, uh, appointing you know just you know judges and justices for the next four years. Um, they control both houses of Congress. Like I'm sorry, like we we are completely powerless on the federal level. Beggars can't be choosers. That's why it's like guys. Can, mm-hmm. Look, if we if we have a a super majority in the Senate and a big ass majority in the House, fine man, fine. They go go after each other, primary each other. I don't care. But I don't want to hear a peep out about primarying Republicans, going after Republicans when. We are literally powerless, <laughs> like just from a strategic level. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But Ian, there's a bunch more stuff I wanted to get to. We don't have time. I know you have a heart out here, and we'll have to save it for next time. But uh, it's always a pleasure. Love talking to you, my brother. Uh, where can everybody uh, follow you online, keep in touch, read your stuff, check out your podcast, which is fantastic, and all that good stuff. Give us all the plugs. Yeah, thank you as always for having me on. So you can 
find everything I write. So I'm a writer and editor of the Daily Wire. So head over to Daily Wire. You can find all my written pieces there. Uh, I have a podcast too. I actually have two podcasts. So the first is called The Ian Howarth Show and the second is called The Truth in 60 Seconds. You can find links to all of them on my website, which is com. Everybody follow Ian. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Oh,